2: VSIN the Sports Betting Network. Scott Zinnerberg back here with you. This is the Look Ahead here on Vsin the Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. S C O T T S O N A I R. It's officially St. Patty's Day across the country, and it is now the start of. The NCAA tournament first round. It's also the start of Major League Baseball spring training. So let's get excited about that. Like I know everyone's going to be focused on college basketball this weekend, but spring training is is we're going to have spring training games. So let's 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 get a little juiced up for Major League Baseball. Uh, but what I'm juiced up about is going for the perfect week. Now, what do we mean by that? Every night in this program, I've given out a hockey selection for the next day. And on Sunday night, there was just one game to look ahead to on Monday. And I actually gave out two selections for that game. And they both hit with the Coyotes and the over. I went back to the well on Tuesday and went with the Coyotes over six against the Canadiens. Coyotes win six to three and that hits. Going into Wednesday, my favorite play was the Calgary Flames on the puck line, laying a goal and a half against the Devils. Flames win 6-3. So, pressure's on. Two more days to get the perfect week. Let us start with Thursday. Let me run down the schedule for you. Rangers host the Islanders. Rangers are minus 140. We got the Hurricanes at the Maple Leafs. In this game, Toronto, they're both minus 110. Let's get an updated uh, look here at uh, both of these teams because this line might have actually moved a little bit. But last I saw, they were both at minus 110. Let's see, uh, minus 115. So it did move a little bit for Toronto, minus 115. Total in that game, by the way, is six. Total in the Rangers-Islander game is at five and a half. You have the Flyers hosting the Predators. Nashville minus 175, total of six. The Blue Jackets welcome in the Capitals. Washington minus 220 with a total of six and a half. Montreal welcomes in Dallas. It is uh, Montreal minus 205, total of six. Penguins are at the Blues. This one is even. Minus 110 both ways, total of six. Uh, Oilers host the Sabres. Edmonton minus 265, total of six and a half. Vancouver hosts Detroit. Canucks are minus 205, total of six. The Kings host the Sharks. LA minus 170, total of five and a half. And then Vegas welcomes in the Panthers. Panthers minus 130, total of six and a half. Right off the bat, I love the Panthers. Uh, Vegas is just a total fade right now. I'd be nervous about Edmonton. Buffalo is actually playing good hockey, and I wouldn't hate a plus 210 ticket on Buffalo. St. Louis-Pittsburgh, an absolute coin flip. Same thing, Canadians against the Stars. Montreal, plus 175, looks attractive. Uh, Hurricanes-Leafs is a total coin flip. Love the Capitals on the road against the Blue Jackets. Columbus playing the second night of a back-to-back. They were just in Ottawa, and uh, they beat the Senators- um, as an underdog, they beat the Senators four to one. So now travel back home and have to welcome in the uh, Capitals who are playing pretty good hockey. Capitals in a little bit of a playoff race here. Uh, looking at the standings right now, Capitals uh, have 76 points and uh, should be in possession here of a wild card in the Eastern Conference right now. Um as it's not pulling it up, but uh, taking a look at that, they are 76 points. Rangers and Penguins are both tied at 81 behind Carolina in that Metropolitan Division. And then uh, you look at the, right now in the um, Atlantic, it's the Panthers, Lightning, and Leafs. The Bruins are right there at 79 points on the outside, looking in just two points back of Toronto, keep in mind, the first three, play, the top three teams in each division are in the playoffs. And then the next two best records are your wild card team. So the next two best records are the Bruins and the Capitals right now. And that's firm. Like no one else is gonna make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the next closest team to the Capitals is the Blue Jackets, but they're nine points back. And that would be some, that would be a, a massive uh, comeback here to make the playoffs. Uh, in the Western Conference, it's Colorado and Calgary who uh, are battling here um, as the top seeds in each division. Uh, Colorado leading, obviously, the, uh, West, the um, Central and the Pacific goes to Calgary. It is Minnesota and St. Louis are the other two teams in the Central. Nashville tied with Minnesota at 74 points, but they are currently a wild card team as are the Vegas Golden Knights for now. However, Vancouver just one point back of Vegas. Dallas, one point back of Vegas. Anaheim two points back of Vegas. Winnipeg, two uh, Anaheim three points, excuse me. Winnipeg two points back of Vegas. So it is a race in the Western Conference. Uh, Love the Capitals though in this spot it's a heavy money line probably would take a flyer on capitals on the puck line you get minus a goal and a half at plus 120 the the the, the play of the day though is going to be goaltender dependent and yes whenever i mention goaltender dependent that's because i'm talking about the new york rangers If Igor Shesterkin is in net for the Rangers, taking them at minus 140 against the Islanders is going to be the play of the day. Uh, Igor Shesterkin minus 350 right now to win the Vezina Trophy, and he's actually the second favorite right now to win the Hart Trophy as the league MVP at plus 300 compared to Austin Matthews, who is plus 125. Uh, It's amazing that this is... Such a great season that he has had, but such an impactful season that he has had. It's amazing the difference between him and the backup and Alexander Georgiev. The Rangers' record with Chesterkin is uh, so much better. And this is uh, um, Georgiev did, Georgiev played in the last game for the Rangers when they won in overtime. Uh, you know, just the the other day against the Ducks. That was on Tuesday night. So you got to imagine now that it's going to be Shesterkin in net here against the Islanders, unless they want to give him extra rest uh, to gear up for maybe the weekend. But I would expect it to be um, – Igor Shesterkin, and then if that's the case, i go with the Rangers over the Islanders. I know it's a rivalry game, but the Rangers are at home, and at the Garden, they've been uh, a tremendous team. So, that is going to be the official play. Again, goaltender dependent, uh, but the Rangers at home this year, 20-5 and with three overtime losses. So, 20 wins, five losses, three overtime losses. Islanders on the road this year, 10 wins, 12 losses, five overtime losses so 10 and 17 on the road rangers 20 and 8 at home islanders have uh won five of their last 10 rangers have won six of their last 10 but the rangers have won two straight and i'll back shesterkin in net anytime give me the rangers minus 140 um price is good enough man the price is good enough for them especially if he starts and and i would expect it to go up If, uh, in fact, uh, he is the confirmed starter in net. Uh, But then, the second pick, if it's going to be Alexander Georgiev, I would um, actually look towards the over. Right now, it's five and a half. And so let's just say the pick is officially the Rangers. Ranger game, all right? If it's Igor Shesterkin in net, then it's the Rangers minus 140. If it's Alexander Georgiev in net, It's the over five and a half, which if it's Georgiev in the net, it will be pushed up to six, maybe even six and a half, but probably six. The over has hit in the last six Georgiev starts. Think about that. The last six starts that he has made for the Rangers, the game has gone over the posted total. He is a liability in net. He got the win the other day, so they feel you know good about themselves, or he feels good about himself. There's a lot of talk about the Rangers trading him or getting another goaltender in the trade market. The trade deadline is coming up on Monday, um, or just going to like another backup. I think they have Kincaid, uh, but six and zero is the over in the last six games that Georgiev has started for the Rangers. So if he is in net the pick is the over. If it's Shisterkin in net, the pick is the Rangers at minus 140. If it gets north of minus 150.
0: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.
2: is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
0: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts
2: if you dare we could see the line move that much i don't like risking anything higher than you know 155 or so just because i mean You know, you start losing these games, your bankroll is going to decrease significantly. So anything north of 155, uh, look for the Rangers in regulation. Take them on the 60-minute line um, or chase some plus money at plus a goal and a half. But currently at minus 140, that's the play. If it goes up 150 or 155, I'll still play it on the money line. Rangers to win with Shesterkin in net or the over with Georgiev in net. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Coming up next, we'll be joined by our very own Wes Reynolds as we continue the bracket breakdown. And while I have him, we might as well talk some golf as well. This is The Look Ahead with me, Scott Seidenberg, on V-C, the sports betting network.
0: This is The Look Ahead on v the Sports Betting Network.
2: Join the College Hoops action for free with the March Mania Survivor presented by KFC. Pick winning teams throughout the tournament to outlast the competition and feast on your share of $30,000. Head to DraftKings.com slash KFC March now to play free for your cut of the cash. KFC, it's finger looking good terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details. Scott Sidner back here with you. This is the look ahead here on Vsin the uh, sports betting network joined now by our very own Wes Reynolds and let's continue to break down the brackets here Wes says uh, you know the tournament first round gets underway on Thursday, or you know, noon Eastern time tip-off around there, 12-10 probably Michigan and Colorado State. But let's talk about the first four first, because every year, with the exception of one West, a team from the first four has won a game in the first round. I'll cancel out the 16 seeds, okay? So let's just talk about Indiana as a 12 or Notre Dame as an 11, which of those teams, if either, pulls an upset in the first round?
3: I think both of them have an absolute shot, Scott, and thanks for having me, by the way. Uh, I want to see if Indiana, if this goes back to three or three and a half, I already played the under at 127 because the, the, the hard part of this, I think, for this year is and it's something that was absolutely ridiculous by the selection committee, is you have both of these teams now traveling west here. Indiana did not get to Portland this morning until like a little after 6 a.m., so they were like four hours behind schedule because they had travel issues. We'll see if Notre Dame suffers the same fate, but they got to go all the way to San Diego. When you have regions where they could go, you could have put them, if you didn't want to put them in Indianapolis, okay, but you could have put Indiana like in Buffalo low or you could have put Notre Dame and Pittsburgh where the travel was much easier. And that's what kind of concerns me, even though I agree with that trend and I play it most years where I play both of these teams that are like 11 and 12 seeds in the first four, because usually they've dealt with that pressure already. They dealt with the fact that, okay, if we don't win here, we're done. Our season is over. So they tend to play a lot more loose and they've gotten kind of the jitters and all of the pressure a little bit off of them when they, go into that second game and that's why I think that's been such a good spot for these teams over the years but as far as the Indiana St. Mary's I think that that's probably going to be a little bit of what we saw on Tuesday night with Indiana and Wyoming that you're probably going to get a game in the very low 120s
2: yeah I think Indiana is the team for me that's going to win I have Indiana beating St. Mary's Um, I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to be able to score at will I know St. Mary's has bigs but uh, this Indiana team has really impressed me and Mike Woodson just has them buying in right now. And it started in the second half of their first game in the Big Ten tournament when uh, they played against Michigan and had to come back from 13 points down in order to win that game and really get themselves in to the NCAA tournament. And then, yes, they were impressive against Illinois. They almost uh, won. They almost had the win against Iowa. So I love the way that Woodson has this team playing. I'm going with Indiana. Indiana. I'm gonna go with Alabama though, and full full disclosure, Wes, I was gonna take Rutgers over Alabama if Rutgers won this game. Mm-hmm. The fact yeah. that the fact that they played this into double overtime, combined with the travel now to San Diego, plus I was never buying in on Notre Dame to begin with. As much as I think Alabama's inconsistent, I think they'll beat Notre Dame.
3: You would think so, because I think a lot of people are selling Alabama, Scott, simply because they didn't finish the season very well. And look, we watched them all year. They're a total boomer bust candidate. This is a team that lost at Georgia, which was by far the worst team in the SEC. And this is also a team that handled Gonzaga pretty easily. So you you never know what you're really going to get, I think, with this Alabama team, but I kind of would think that they they should beat Notre Dame. If they get Notre Dame into a track meet, we know that Notre Dame can score and they can shoot, but they don't have a lot of depth. They don't really have a deep rotation. They play about seven guys. So one of them gets in foul trouble. Then I think maybe the fatigue kind of sets in in the second half.
2: Uh, Let's continue to talk upsets here. 12-5s are very popular. We know and more so than the 12-5s in recent memory, It's been the 4-13 matchups that have provided a lot of upsets. And early on here on Thursday, you have a very popular upset candidate in South Dakota State catching two against Providence. It's the lowest spread West that we've ever had for a 4-13 matchup.
3: Yeah, and I wonder if it's too low, Scott. And I respect South Dakota State a lot, and they're the best three-point shooting team in the country. And by a decent margin, they're at 44%. The second best is Colgate at a little over 40%. But if you look at their schedule, they played a pretty weak set of defenses. I think it was like in the 330s at a 358 team. So, look, they shot well against teams that don't guard very well. And not that Providence is the greatest defense, but they're a pretty solid, at least above average, defense and I just I just wonder about this because we know that Providence has been number one in luck in the Ken Palm and they're 11 and two in games decided by two possession or less or overtime games if you want to add that into them but I think Ed Cooley might play the disrespect card here hmm. a little bit like everybody's picking these guys to beat us like all the experts uh, whether they're on Vsin or ESPN or any other network all these guys are picking South Dakota State as that kind of trendy upset. This is a step up in class for this team. South Dakota State, keep in mind, 30-4, and 4, very impressive record, and they shoot the ball very well, and they run good stuff on offense. Keep in mind this team only played two teams that made the NCAA tournament all year. They beat Montana State pretty comfortably, and then they lost by 16 against Alabama, so I'm wondering if the Jackrabbits may be stepping up a little too much in class, and that shows you, Scott, I think how efficient that the betting market has gotten, because if this matchup in this exact same circumstance happened five years ago, South Dakota State probably getting like five or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. five or five and a half. Now you got dudes cutting in line to take two with this team. So I'm going to reluctantly, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to lay the money line with Providence. It's about a $1.30,
2: $1.35. How about this Vermont-Arkansas Vermont, Vermont Arkansas matchup, the other four thirteen that seems to be attracting a lot of people to the dog?
3: Yeah, I was hoping Vermont actually would get a little different matchup. I don't know what I'm going to do with this yet, but this is a Vermont team that does have five seniors. And I think when you have experience, that's going to bode well for you, especially with guards. Senior guards tend to win in the NCAA tournament. But this Arkansas team, you wonder if this is going to be a repeat of like the Colgate game last year. Because if you remember, a lot of people were picking Colgate to upset Arkansas in the first round because that was a very experienced team. And then Arkansas ended up running them out pretty easily there in the second half. So at five, oh, I wish I was getting a little bit more with Vermont. I understand why people like them, but this might be something I might do for an end game. But. If you I, I Vermont I think you got to kind of trust them a little bit just because they're so experienced and these are guys that are really efficient uh, third in effective field goal percentage set or third in two point percentage. they don't give up a lot of offensive rebounds they're a very well coached team so this might be an end game if Arkansas starts out, a little bit hot in that uh, under-16 timeout or that under-12 timeout, where I think a team like Vermont, if they get down, isn't going to necessarily pack it in. They're going to keep fighting. So I may wait for an in-game spot on the Gatamounts.
2: How about Chattanooga against Illinois? How live are the mocks?
3: Uh, I think they're very live. Uh, Lamont Paris, by the way, was a former assistant at Wisconsin under Bo Ryan. So he knows, the, he knows how to play Big Ten teams. And he knows that You want to get them to kind of, uh, you know, where they're trying to play this physical like bully ball because in the Big Ten, that's how they play it. And that's the referees don't call as many fouls. It's kind of like known as tackle basketball, if you will. (laughs) But in the NCAA tournament, Scott, I think it's really officiated differently. And you kind of saw that last night in Indiana and Wyoming, where Indiana in the second half, they were getting a little bit frustrated with the calls that were kind of going Wyoming's way. And then you look at Chattanooga. A mid-major team that has a legitimate high-major big man, and that's Silvio De Souza, who you might remember played for Kansas the mm-hmm. last couple years. They've got senior guards, three
2: senior starters. I think the mocks hang in here with Illinois. A 12-5 matchup, Richmond and Iowa are the Spiders live. You know, I
3: I think maybe in the first half they will be, and then they'll kind of wear out. This Richmond team, credit to them winning the A-10 tournament, they got the bid that they should have gotten two years ago Hmm. that got taken away from them due to COVID-19, and they've got a bunch of seniors that use that super senior year and that extra scholarship year to come back, had to win in Washington, D.C. in the conference tournament to go ahead and make it here. But iowa look i'm always wary of the hot team because you got people picking iowa to make the final four i think as they get deeper in the draw they just don't have the defense even though it's improved a little bit over the last couple weeks but i think richmond hangs early chris mooney runs good stuff but i just don't know if they can keep up with the scoring punch of iowa i think iowa puts them away maybe in the final five or six minutes
2: Wes hang with me for another segment i want to get to your final four selections and talk about the one seeds Coming up next, he's our very own Wes Reynolds. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Continue to break down the brackets coming up next here on The Look Ahead on v more golf insight check out v long shots podcast today the complete pga golf betting show with weekly insights and analysis for every tournament from las vegas experts host brady cannon has been running las vegas golf websites and tournaments since 1996 as well as refining his betting skills brady tracks golf year-round to keep his viewers on top of the odds and insights for every player tournament and course during the pga tour season Brady is joined by his co-host, Wes Reynolds, as well as v sports betting experts and golf and casino industry guests on a regular basis. Download the Long Shots podcast now at v slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. And while you're there, catch up on every v show. Wes Reynolds joining me right now here on The Look Ahead as we continue to talk about the NCAA tournament. We'll get to Wes's selections for the Valspar Championship coming up. In just a few minutes. But Wes, let me ask you about the one seeds here in the tournament. Which number one seed will be eliminated first?
3: I think, and it's probably going to be consensus, but I believe it's going to be Baylor. I just think they've had so many injuries this year, and now we know LJ Cryer not going to go over the weekend, and we know that uh, Chama Chachwa, JTT, already out for the season. So Crier's not going to play tomorrow against Norfolk State TBD on Saturday. But I think they could have a tough matchup maybe in the second round as well if they get North Carolina and Marquette, those are both teams that can get up and down the floor. Marquette especially can force a lot of turnovers and get transition buckets. North Carolina has been shooting the basketball a little bit better this year, especially from the outside. So, look, even if Baylor gets by that second-round matchup, you're looking potentially at, like, a UCLA, maybe an Indiana. God, I hope it's Indiana, but I don't think (laughs) it's going to be. Uh, But, you know, we can always wish for it. But I I think Baylor, they just – you know, being the defending national champion, you got the target on your back and you have all these injuries. Then you look at some of the other draw. I think Kansas has the easiest draw by far of any number one seed. So watch us all say that all week long. And then Kansas be the first one to go out, but I still think it's going to be
2: Baylor. What's your final four right now? Yeah, in the West,
3: I I found it hard. I know everybody's trying to think of, oh, how is Gonzaga going to trip up? And Gonzaga actually has a, a very shaky draw here. I mean, they got beat by Duke earlier in the season. Actually, the teams that beat them besides St. Mary's are in this draw, Alabama and Duke on the opposite side. And then you've got Texas Tech, who they did beat, but is a nightmare to prepare for. Memphis is an athletic team they could get in the second round. But I still like Gonzaga in the West. In the east region, I'm going with Kentucky. And then in the south region, I'm actually going to go with Tennessee. Wow. I know Arizona's a popular pick, but I like Tennessee. I think their defense is really good. I worry a little bit about the freshman guards, but I think maybe this is finally Rick Barnes' year to get over the hump. He's had a couple of close calls. And then in the Midwest, I'm going to go with Kansas. Kentucky and Kansas is my championship game with the Wildcats cutting down the nets in New Orleans.
2: Well, good sign because uh, every year that Kentucky has won the national championship with the exception of the most recent season that they won the national championship, the New York Yankees have won the world series. So that is a, that is a fact.
3: Well, they just did give a boatload of money to Anthony Rizzo. We'll see if they've got some more to give after that Freeman signing tonight.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, the Yankees. I think it was what the only year that it didn't happen was the most recent Kentucky title, which was, I guess, 2012, but every other Kentucky title uh, before then was a year in which the Yankees had won the World Series the fo- the, the the following season. So how about that? Because that's a, that's the future bet. We're gonna if Kentucky wins the national championship. You got to bet the Yankees to win the World Series. Uh, while I have you, West, let's talk golf. The Valspar Championship. We'll get underway here this weekend. Uh, Who do we like here uh, for outright wins?
3: Yeah, good field here at the Ballast Bar, surprisingly enough, with that Players' Championship running over in the late Monday afternoon. Kind of got a tight deadline. Prices weren't even out at a lot of places as of Tuesday morning, but event here in Tampa, they're going to conclude the Florida swing. The shortest price guy I took, and I may be buying in a little bit prematurely, but I like what I saw in terms of how he closed out the players. And that's Dustin Johnson, who's hasn't won in over a year anywhere in the world. Last time he won actually was early 2021 at the Saudi international. Maybe it's that wedding planning. That's been a Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. distraction coming up later this year. I can see in the picture, on the Gram Scott of uh, Paulina or the uh,
2: or the Vegas lacrosse team that he's going to be a part of right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. he's got a lot going
3: on seeing those pictures on the gram. I could see why that would be a distraction for Mr. Johnson, but he's dropped to number 10 in the official world golf ranking. That's as low as he's been in Gosh, maybe about a decade, but I think he might have found something on Monday. He shot 63, which tied the course record at Sawgrass. He was on the wrong side of the weather draw, played really well. He's won on a couple correlated courses that I found, you know, guys that play well here have played well at these courses. He's won at River Highlands, one at Southwind in Memphis, one at Riviera. So DJ at 16 1. Matt Fitzpatrick, I got at 33. He's been cutting like the mid to high twenties now. He was also on the bad side of the draw last week at the playoffs players but started 2022 T6 at Pebble T10 in Phoenix T9 at Bay Hill in Orlando 2 weeks ago. Uh this course is very comparable to Harbor which Matt Fitzpatrick calls his favorite course on the PGA Tour. His brothers in the field this week his brother currently plays at Wake Forest. He won the Valspar Collegiate Invitational also Valspar being the sponsor he got a sponsor exemption in so maybe that's some good mojo for Fitz. Keegan Bradley 50 to 1. Cameron Smith, look, I don't want to say he wasn't the deserved winner because he was so good with his irons and his wedges and then great putting, led the field in putting last week. But Keegan Bradley was like right there and he finished fifth. He was in the bad side of the weather draw. He had a two-stroke penalty on Friday that really cost him. He was the 54-hole leader here last year before settling to a runner-up behind Paul Casey, who, by the way, had won this two years in a row but withdrew earlier this week. So he's not in the field. Bubba Watson in the 50s, uh, 13th here last year, fourth back in 2019. Little bit of signs of life lately, played well. Runner-up in Saudi Arabia, T-14 in Phoenix. He's won on those same courses I mentioned earlier that DJ has won on. So maybe a course correlation there. Gary Woodland and Adam Hadwin. Gary Woodland, you can get in the 60s. Adam Hadwin, I think, maybe has drifted up to 70. Both former champions here. Woodland won in 2011, Hadwin in 2017. Woodland missed the cut last week, but he never really plays well at the players. He was fifth at the Honda, fifth at the Bay Hill before that. So Gary Woodland, I think could go well here, as can Adam Hadwin. Best finish of the season last week at the Players was ninth and flew up the leaderboard at a 67 on Sunday. Russell Knox, 70-1, to 1, T6 last week at the Players. He was kind of like my model play, and he's always a guy I bet sometimes, Scott, because He's always up there in like strokes gained approach and greens and regulation gain, all the ball striking stats, and he ends up finishing like 30th or something. But he was kind of like my stat model play. And then I went with one real bomb here at 150-1, to and this is Boomer Bus, and that's Martin Keimer, who's only played one event this year due to the birth of his first child. So he took several weeks off to start. 2022 missed the cut last week at the hot or two weeks ago at the honda but i think at least shook off a little bit of rust uh, iron game looked good in the second round he's really good on approach shots too because 54% of your approach shots are going to be about 175 to 200 yards here. And Martin Keimer is really good with the long irons. Don't expect like a really super low score here. You'll see guys have won over the last few years, like eight under par, seven under par, 10 under par. I know Burns was 17 under last year, but no real weather and no wind last year. So that was kind of an anomaly. winning score is probably going to be, I would guess like around 12 under par.
2: Uh, let me give you two bombs and see what you think. Eighty to one Aaron Wise. Mm-hmm. And uh the other one I was looking where is he down the list? 180 to 1 Figala. Uh,
3: Aaron Wise, by the way, uh BK, Brady Cannon, my co-host on long shots, uh, likes him this week and played him really good in terms of the ball striking. And one of the things about about this event, too, these greens are pretty smooth. They're going to roll relatively fast, about 12 on the stem, but these are smooth greens. So this isn't really a putting contest. And if you look, Paul Casey, not the greatest putter in the world, won back-to-back years here. So you don't have to be like an ace putter. So I think that favors Aaron Wise. Uh, Thigala is a guy that can maybe take advantage of the par fives. These are the toughest par fives in terms of scoring average on the PGA Tour, but You're not going to make a lot of eagles, but you can make birdies here. And Degala is a guy, look, he hits it all over the place, but as long as he keeps it uh, dry and out of the water, he's going to have a shot. So uh, I'm not against either of those.
2: Wes, I appreciate the time and the insight. Good luck with your bets and enjoy the celebration here on Thursday with the opening of the first round of the NCAA tournament. Oh, and yeah, the St. Patrick's Day thing.
3: You bet, Scott. Thanks for
2: having <laughs> He's Wes Reynolds. Uh, always does a great job. Catch him on long shots, all your great golf bets there. And uh, Wes uh, contributes to point spread weekly as well. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We will finalize our bracket. Yes, I have an empty one here, so maybe I'll fill that one out and, and make it my final bracket. Plus, best bets here for Thursday's first round action of the NCAA tournament. I have narrowed it down and I have come up with my selections. This is The Look Ahead here on v the Sports Betting Network. Resend the sports betting network. Play Free Hoops for a share of $20,000 this March with the March Hoops Series presented by 5 Hour Energy. Fire up your lineups in 4. Free-to-play contests and compete for your share of $5,000 per contest. Head to draftkingscom 5 Energy now to join the action. 5 Hour Energy. Fire up your lineup. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Satterberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on Vcin the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. This is getting difficult. This really is. I have completed the left side of the bracket. We have compared the bracket that we filled out, where is it? The educated bracket, as I call it. This is the educated bracket. We have compared this to the gut bracket. And so now we have the final bracket. And we have completed the left side of the final bracket. And it is Gonzaga and UCLA in the final four. Yes, a rematch of the overtime game from a season ago. So, Gonzaga and UCLA into the final four. And I have UCLA avenging the overtime loss from a season ago and UCLA goes to the national championship game. UCLA was the 11th seed from the first four to the final four. Gonzaga was the one seed. It was April 3rd, 2021. Gonzaga winning 93-90 in overtime. And uh, yes, I am going with UCLA to avenge that loss. The left side of the bracket is complete. Now we just have to be torn over the right side of the bracket. Well, I can tell you right now, we already know who's going into the final four down over here in the Midwest. I might as well write it in right now because nothing is going to change me off of having Kansas. Kansas. Final four so far. Gonzaga, UCLA and Kansas, who comes out of the South, is what is messing me up. Because my educated bracket says one thing, my gut one says another thing. Now i got to compare the two and make a decision. And in fact, the only way I might make this decision is by flipping a coin or flipping this pen. (laughs) You know, just say, hey. Pointy side is uh, Villanova, and the uh, end side is uh, Arizona. Wow, it just came up Villanova. Maybe that's the way we're going to do it. (laughs) Let's take a look at the games here for the first round on Thursday and talk about the the picks against the spread. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go down the entire list and give you my uh, leans on every game uh, that we have here on Thursday. Starting with Michigan, Colorado State, lean Colorado State, plus a point and a half. South Dakota State, Providence, lean South Dakota State, plus the two. Memphis, Boise State, lean Memphis, minus the three. Norfolk State, Baylor, lean Baylor, minus 20 and a half. Tennessee, Longwood, lean Tennessee, minus 18. Richmond, Iowa, lean Iowa, uh, excuse me, Richmond, that was a forty and slip, maybe that means something, lean Richmond, plus 10 and a half. Georgia State, Gonzaga, lead the, lean the Zags, minus 23. Marquette, North Carolina, lean Marquette, plus 3.5. New Mexico State, Yukon, lean Yukon, minus 6.5. St. Peter's, Kentucky, lean Kentucky, minus 18. Indiana, St. Mary's, lean Indiana, plus 2.5. Creighton, San Diego State, lean San Diego State, minus 2. Vermont, Arkansas, lean Vermont, plus 5. San Francisco, Murray State, lean Murray State, minus minus two. Kansas, Texas, Southern, lean Kansas, minus 21 and a half. UCLA, Akron, lean Akron, plus 13 and a half. Now, the official selections. Looking at all of these leans, I think I've settled in on what I'm going to play. I'm going to play South Dakota State. And I know that I'm buying into pretty much what everybody is talking about, which is, you know, all the experts here on VSIN, everybody all across Twitter. It just seems like everyone's on the jackrabbits. But when I gave the list all week long of the criteria that I look for when breaking down college basketball, and I'll remind you, I have two sets of criteria when I talk about. College basketball. And that criteria is veteran teams. And by veteran, I mean teams that have over 80% of their minutes from last season playing this season. And I also look at the top 10, maybe 15 or so, because, you know, there might be some teams in the top 10 that aren't in the NCAA tournament, but the top three-point shooting teams in the nation. South Dakota State fits in both of those categories as a veteran-led team that has more than 80% of their minutes returning from a season ago, combined with being one of the top three-point shooting teams In college basketball. And to me, that is the recipe for success. They have one, two, three, four, five, six players that shoot over 40% from three point range. As a team, 44.9%. You make your threes. You trade three twos for threes. It's going to be hard to to, to to beat you. And you're never out of any game because you're only a couple of possessions away from making a 9-0 run. Think about that. Two stops. Uh, you know, three three-pointers with two stops in between. You make a three, you come up with a stop. You make a three, you come up with a stop you make a three, that's a 9-0 run. Teams that go on 9-0 runs win games. That's what scares me about Providence. That's why I'm betting South Dakota State. Uh, and forget about the money line. I know that they're a popular upset pick, and yes, you know, in my bracket, I'm actually taking South Dakota State, but if you're going to give me two points, I'll take the two points. I mean, why not, right? Give myself a little bit of cushion, So South Dakota State is one of my official plays for this day. Another one of my plays. I'm going to go with Indiana plus two and a half against St. Mary's. I, I, I talked about it before, but I just love the way this team has responded to the challenge. And Mike Woodson has got this team playing the right way right now. They were down 13 points. I keep bringing this up, but that was impressive as heck, man down 13 points to Michigan at the half in a game where you have to have the win or else you're not going to get into the NCAA tournament, and you rally back from 13 points down. First of all, look at the way they finished out the regular season. They lose to Rutgers at home. Then they lose to Purdue on the road by two. So they fight, they lose. So they go into the Big Ten tournament. Losing their final two games of the season. They're down 13 at the half. And they could they could have just packed in and say, you know what? This isn't our year. It's year one under Mike Woodson. Let's give him a little growing pain time. And we'll go play in the NIT and have some home games in Bloomington. But no. They rallied. They won. Then they take on Illinois, where they're outmatched. And they win that game. And then they fight hard and almost come up with the upset win against Iowa. So, I love the way that Indiana goes into the first four, beats a talented Wyoming team, and now going up against St. Mary's, yes, the travel's not ideal. I still think that they get the job done here, and I'll take Indiana plus the two and a half points against St. Mary's. And then um, a game that, you know, I heard Chris Andrews talk about this earlier. A lot of people were on Akron plus the 13 and a half against UCLA, uh, Akron, a team that plays at a slow slow pace, a lot of good, a lot of defense. This to me feels like a game where it's going to be like between like the eight nine point range. UCLA wins, but it's not going to be a blowout. Hey, coming up this morning on Follow the Money, Paul Stone, professional handicapper at eight AM. Mike Palm, host right here on Veasan and vice president here uh, at Circa will join the program. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at ScottsOnAir. S C O T T S. O-N-A-I-R I'll tweet out the final bracket and good luck on the first round of the tournament here on Thursday. It's going to be an exciting day. This is the look at here on V-CIN, the Sports Betting Network. This